0: A start on Demand. On demand. Damn,
1: son, wow. where'd you find
2: this? Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Damn, son,
3: where'd you find this?
2: Happy birthday, Brat! <laughs> Thank
4: you, Greg.
2: It is the autumnal equinox. It is also the... The the day we celebrate the day of Brett's birth.
4: <laughs>
5: Thank you very I much. I don't even know
2: how many years it is. Is
5: it is it 40 yet? Today is 44. 44. Oh, that's a nice one. 44 for me and my sister. Dave yep.
2: Babbage, very nice. I like it.
5: Yeah. So, and someone told me last week that I look no more than 35. So I'll take Ooh. that as a huge win.
4: Take
3: well, it run. Happy baby. birthday. I just had sky. I have to share this in my ear. It's Brett's birthday. <laughs> and then I said, Yeah, I, I said, yeah, I know. Who has a birthday on
6: September 22nd? It's a little weird. What? It's a weird one. Why is it weird? (laughs) I can't tell you why. I just know it is. So so what if it was like September 16th? Would that be be fine? No, that sounds nice. September 23rd. Sounds
5: good. 21st. Even better. So 22nd is weird. So weird you're weird
6: i
3: know (laughs) she was very adamant about this this distracted me for quite some time happy birthday though happy birthday anyway
2: there's a 100 (laughs) 365.25 chance that your birthday is on september 22nd what makes it so weird
3: she and then she goes
6: on name anyone else you know with a birthday around here and i really couldn't exactly i guess brett named his sister
5: Yes, that's right. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs>
2: count.
4: You
5: can't count the twins. Okay, well you can m- count it now. I, I need to Google celebrity birthdays <laughs> for September twenty second because I am a little stumped by that comment. Hey, by the way, Sky cut her hair. Uh, oh. She cut. What did you cut off?
6: Like eighteen inches. Not myself, professionally. Okay. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. It's, how did it feel to cut off eighteen oh, inches? Oh,
6: fantastic! Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, it's my weight loss program. <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, yeah.
3: I'm going to put the weight back on because I found the bagel shop Sky <gasps> suggested yesterday yes. in Montreal. And my God, those things. <laughs> Did you eat are them all? <laughs> delightful. Are there well, any I'm left? mad because she said, just get me half a dozen because you know, they might not last until I grab. We see each other and I can pass them off. So I only got one for myself to eat in the car. I was getting a ride with the Global Montreal cameraman to the airport. And as I'm stuffing my face with this bagel, I was like eyeing the bag I was bringing back for Sky. She <laughs> won't notice if there's just five left, will she? Like, she won't notice if there's just four left now, will she? Oh, my God, they're good.
5: When are you going to drop these off?
3: Maybe never. <laughs> <have> Don't to- <laughs> do this.
2: Don't they have to be fresh to be good?
3: How, I don't think so. No. These things are made from the nectars of the gods. They are so crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside, a little sweeter. She said, go for the sesame. I did. I don't regret it. It was the light.
2: Whoa, okay, uh, Bilbo Bilbo Baggins. Yes. It's his birthday today.
5: Bilbo no Baggins. Baggins. There you go. That's
2: Is right. The
6: best we can do. I rest my case. Uh, Joan
5: Jett.
3: <laughs>
6: nope.
5: Today. Uh Tatiana Maslany, who is a wonderful Canadian actor, she was in Orphan Black. She's going to be She-Hulk. That's a pretty cool one.
3: Mm-hmm. So there
5: are a couple. But yeah, not a not a ton. Scott Bayo. Really? Mhm. Okay. All right, so there's a couple of people who have the. But anyway, thank you for the birthday wishes, <laughs> and welcome back, by the way, to to Winnipeg, uh, Lauren. She's she's in Montreal. She's in Winnipeg, Greg. She's like she's like Roy Kent, the footballer from Ted Lasso. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> <laughs> she's here. here. She's, she's there. there. She's every, every everywhere. <laughs> everywhere.
3: <laughs> It'd be better if you could say it how that really was supposed to go, because it doesn't sound the same without, without the delightful bomb that gets dropped. <laughs> in there. I'm more tired today, if possible, than I was yesterday. And I had a good seven hours of sleep tonight. So I had three times the amount of sleep last night than I did the night before.
5: You were running on adrenaline, though, on Tuesday morning, probably. Because election, like, it's a long day, and it was especially long for you. But election days are fun, as much as, uh, you know, I was ragging on this election. Like, when you get to work an election, it's pretty exciting stuff.
3: It is. It's nice to be there. I, I really do believe in them, regardless of how... We feel about whether this one should have happened and how we feel about the results. I'd like, I like the process. and Sure, it's not perfect, but I like it. What, what's not making me too happy this morning, Greg, is the number you threw out just a half hour ago on the voter turnout.
2: Under 60%. Yeah.
3: That's, like, sad. I get yeah. it, but it's sad. It is.
2: It's a little disappointing. However, I think we have to understand with the pandemic and and some of the changes that were made, how quickly this all came together... I think uh, some people will be forgiven, but I think it goes back to the discussion as well that we had a couple of different times during the campaign. How engaged are Canadians overall? And do we need to figure out if they're not engaged because they don't care or because they don't like the choices before them? And I think that's a conversation we can have over the next couple of years or, or three months until the next federal election comes around.
5: And we might see the turnout uh, go up as well. It doesn't include the mail-in ballots. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll get up to the sixty-seven percent turnout that we had in twenty nineteen. But I mean, even Elections Canada didn't. Elections Canada apologize for. You know, they said some of the lineups. We just they they couldn't. They even they didn't have enough time no, to no. sort of galvanize or mobilize.
3: Well again there they did ask like they they I believe they went to Ottawa and said can we make this two days can we do better can we do what BC did with their provincial election in a pandemic and spread this out so that people have more time and it's not such a gong show and the answer I think came back well, obviously came back no it was one day with those advanced voting. so yeah like maybe going forward we have more advanced voting or more room for the mail-ins or what have you do we we still don't know in that Charles wood riding do we no we're still undecided yep. Man, more ballots a- to count. Speaking of sleepless nights, if you really wanted that job so bad, imagine what you're doing for the past 48 hours waiting for someone to say your name. No kidding, you're right.
5: Pins and needles. How do you just, how do you calm down from that uh, when everyone else is deciding you're just sitting around waiting? Like, do you just just sit by the phone? Yes. On the couch, just, you know, kind of...
3: Refreshing that in the computer? Refresh? Maybe you need to refresh. Just (laughs) refresh one more time, maybe then... Nope, just refresh.
5: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Um, Greg, you mentioned that Bilbo Baggins shares a birthday with me today. And uh, I think I've got it somewhere. Maybe I'll play it in the next segment, just a piece of it. I believe it's Leonard Nimoy who sings a ridiculous song about Bilbo Baggins.
4: Uh, Really? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's
5: it's, it's, uh, both wonderful and awful at the same time. Can't I Can't wait it. to hear it. I got it somewhere, but I also see that you've, uh, w- one of you has flagged uh, a text that made me happy from Cassandra.
2: Yeah, uh, Cassandra says, as an addendum to the September birthday conversation, as an ultrasound tech, I can tell you that September is statistically the most popular birth what? month, so take that, Skyneller, <laughs> because, what? well, it was a very merry Christmas. <laughs> oh,
6: yeah.
3: boy. Yeah. Happy birthday, Brett! <laughs> Thanks, Cassandra. I Happy do birthday. know quite a few people with September birthdays. I don't think she, Skye, Correct me. Your issue is my issue is number twenty two, not yeah, with September. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
6: my birthday's
2: on a twenty two.
6: Well, I got an issue with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it defies
5: logic,
3: but it's enjoyable.
5: <laughs> oh, That's great. So thanks to everybody who's been sending me birthday wishes. I appreciate it very much. And thanks, to uh, Greg, for the bre- breakfast slurpee. I appreciate that. Um, and I have found the, the Bilbo Baggins song, so I will play it in a, the, a chunk of it in the next segment. But right now, um, we mentioned it last half hour. Uh, Troubling news out of Alberta. They've hit a new record for the number of people in intensive care amid the fourth wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jackie Wilson of Global News in
4: Calgary reports. Like people say, oh, it's on the brink of collapse. It's like, well, it's already broken.
7: The number of Albertans fighting COVID-19 in hospital has hit a record high at 996. 222 of those patients are in intensive care, stretching the system and frontline workers to their limits.
4: This is more patients than we've had in the intensive care than ever before
0: in the history of ever. Provincially ICU capacity, including these additional surge beds, is currently at 87%. Without the additional surge spaces, provincial ICU capacity would be 169%.
7: Unvaccinated people are making up 88% of patients in intensive care. And to drive the message home about how critical the situation is, Alberta Health Services released this video on Twitter of a patient at the Peter Lougheed Centre ICU about to get a breathing tube to stay alive.
4: isn't to be okay.
2: Is there anyone that we need to call?
7: AHS is releasing this video to try and urge more Albertans to get vaccinated, saying immunization is the best defense against COVID-19 hospitalization and death. Third doses have now been expanded to include more immunocompromised Albertans, and there are expected to be talks of even more third-dose expansions to protect Albertans' most vulnerable this Friday. Meanwhile, AHS is briefing health care workers on critical care triage protocol.
4: And it's terrifying. You know, to think that if you get into a car crash on the way home, there might not be an intensive care bed for you, depending on the exact circumstances of, of your injuries or your surgery and if you need the ICU afterwards and and what we think your one-year survival rate will be.
7: Jackie Wilson, Global News.
3: So yes, this is an Alberta story, but there's so many messages in there that can resonate right across the country for the people that are still deliberating their thoughts and feelings around this. We heard in that story the voice of, of Alberta Premier Jason Kenney and urgent care physician Raj Bardwaj. Take a listen to Dr. Bardwaj's last statement once again.
4: If you get into a car crash on the way home, there might not be an intensive care bed for you depending on the exact circumstances of of your injuries or your surgery and if you need the ICU afterwards and and what we think your one year survival rate will be.
3: And what do we think your one year survival rate will be? He's not talking about COVID there. He's talking about and we went through this, right? That was what they were trying to remind so many Manitobans. Yes, there's the COVID situation, but he's talking about anyone coming into hospital for anything that's a big emergency like a car crash. And finding this, that the beds aren't there, the, the equipment's not there, the people aren't there. And it's just one more thing to keep in mind, Greg, as we work to keep our own ICU and hospitalization numbers in Manitoba low. And yes, again, the, this is an Alberta story, but man, I got, I have personally have so many family members out West in Alberta. So I'm watching it for that reason. I'm watching it personally to see what comes here and watching to see if that shifts any of the attitudes out there yeah, or caution, here.
2: Yeah. Cautionary tale. Uh, We've been through this. We've been down this road in Manitoba, so we can't walk with any sort of swagger or look down our noses in any way at Alberta. I guess uh, the hope might have been, should have been, could have been for Alberta was that they saw what happened in Manitoba in January, in February, in March, and now they've had to do the same thing as we have. Alberta swapped out its health minister yesterday as well. Tyler Shandro is out. Jason Coppin is in. Also of note, Brett, Alberta has made a request to the federal government government for assistance in battling their ICU capacity shortage.
5: Alberta's infrastructure minister said Tuesday the province has officially asked Ottawa for help with the COVID-19 crisis. Quote, as part of our ongoing efforts to boost healthcare capacity during the public health emergency, we have formally asked the federal government to assist us with patient transfers and critical care staff. That from Rick McIver on Twitter. In his letter dated September 21st to Federal Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness Bill Blair... Guyver wrote, quote, "We are preparing contingency plans, which include Loren the possibility of transferring patients to other jurisdictions with spare capacity."
3: Yeah, so they're looking for things like transfer, uh, transfer personnel. We had that here. Some of those military planes, relocation, critical care staff. There's a long list of things that they're looking for. Uh, federal officials are looking to help out. I think, Greg.
2: Yeah, Bill. It's, yeah, Bill Blair saying that whatever Alberta has asked for, yeah, they get. they they will get.
5: Last night I ordered a pizza, uh, and that doesn't matter where from, because we're giving away Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card based on your text messages. But nine times out of ten, I'll order from Santa Lucia. I get a large pizza. No way, no way I can eat that in one sitting. I won't even dare try, because their pizza sizes are generous. But I ordered one from just in my neighborhood. Great little pizza place. The crust is thinner. I still ordered a large. uh, Usually I can eat half of it, maybe six of the eight pieces. Last night I ate all eight. First time in years I've eaten a whole large pizza in one shot, and I felt awful <laughs> and I, it, I still felt bad this morning so it just got me thinking about times where like i ate too much and it maybe threw my night for a curve so tell us a funny story about a time you ate too much with a caveat like we're not we're not trying to gross you out we don't want you to think of a time you got sick but maybe something that made you laugh or maybe there was a time where you ate so much that you impressed yourself or like you, somebody challenged you and you rose to the challenge. So Mackling, I know you were kind of scratching your head, but you said, Oh, I got one.
2: Yes. And this is inspired by uh, one of the folks I follow on Twitter right now. uh, Lisa, she's in uh, New Brunswick right now and she learned how to make crab rolls. And so I was reminded of the time that I've only been ever to one of those lobster fest dinners where you can, have and eat all the lobster you can eat at the convention center, and I was, invent, uh, I was invited to this thing. And Jackie says, oh, "You know, I like lobster, but I really don't want to sit there and watch you eat lobster for three hours because she can only eat so much." I impressed myself. <laughs> I'm I'm certain I had about eleven. Th- they were smaller lobster tails uh, and the claws, <laughs> and just you know, every time they came around was. Bring another tray. So um, didn't get sick. Did ruin a suit, though, because of all the butter that I spilt on myself. So uh, I was (laughs) a guest of somebody else, but I think it cost me about a $400 suit. So how's that?
4: (laughs) Oh, that's
5: great, man. That is intense. Jeff Braun, what about you? It used to be
8: for my birthday party, my friends and I would go to the Gasthaus Gutenberger, a, a terrific a German restaurant that was on Portage Avenue. Sadly, it closed a few oh, years yeah, ago. I
0: remember that.
8: And they were not, you know, shy about their portion size down there. And we would stuff ourselves to the gills, and then we'd go bowling and then out for drinks kind of thing. And that was fine in the 20s and into the early 30s. But by the time we was about 35, we would finish dinner at the Gasthaus, and everyone would say, you know what? I don't think I can go bowling tonight. <laughs> and by the time I got to 37, everybody was like, I'm just going to go straight home
5: after dinner and go to bed.
8: <laughs> that was, it was it. It was a uh, dine and done after
4: just get to a certain age over there. <laughs>
5: um, I never got to that restaurant. I remember you telling me about it years ago and I said, I got to go. And then you said, you can't, it's closed. And I
0: thought, well, Darn, Cam Poitras. What about you? Well, and this is a, sort of a failure on my part. Um, my friends have this tradition, and I, I was kind of an outsider. It was the three of them. They go and they get all you can eat lops, uh all you can eat shrimp, and and they go there, and it's it's like basically this huge competition who can eat the most. Uh, well, I, I go in and I think, okay, well, I you know I can eat quite a bit. I can power through it. I max out at about a hundred shrimp. <laughs> oh Wow. And I and I thought like, OK, and the plates kept coming. My friend Gary ate over 200 shrimp. Oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I couldn't I've never believed it. I couldn't believe anything like this. My other uh, friend Lyndon, he goes to like 100. He goes to like 175. Randy goes to about 150. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm 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 humiliated. I only had I only had 100 shrimp. <laughs> Gary's pounding over uh, two hundred of them, and it's like it's at the end of it. It's like it's like you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer and he's trying to, and the shrimp is just falling out of his uh, mouth because it's too full. That's what I felt like, and I could imagine what Gary was like.
5: Was that when he was at the the Rusty Barnacle or whatever that <laughs> yeah, restaurant was
0: called? Exactly. Yeah. Ah, oh, tis not a man;
5: tis a remorseless
0: <laughs>
4: eating machine.
3: Exactly. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? Does wine count? Sure, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, honest to gosh, Sunday night. I, I. So we did. We, we were doing some work in the afternoon in Montreal, and we we're going through, you know, election rehearsals and whatnot. And I knew the next day was going to be really busy, and so I said I'm going to take myself out. I was hankering for Italian, and I couldn't find a single place that was open Sunday night in downtown Montreal in terms of Italian. So this, I end up at this spot like off Saint Catherine's, beautiful little te- terrace or patio or whatever, and it's more of a family place. And so I order this alfredo. And the guy says, it's a big bowl. Like sometimes people share it. I was like, no, no, that's good. I'll like have extra in the hotel and put it in the fridge. Then he shows up with a loaf of bread. Like, but I'm not talking those little garlic things. Like it's an actual loaf of bread with butter. And I was like, perfect. There'll be extras. As i am eating, I said, you know, you can bring me a takeout container. I'm going to take this home. And by the time he got back, there was no need for the takeout. <laughs> and then he, tired. he took a really long time. And I was like, well, this isn't going to eat itself. So, I, so then I was full of regret last or Monday night because I had no food in the room at two in the morning. And I was like, you idiot. If you had just save two bites of that pasta. You could have just restrained yourself. I well, he took a long time. And you're sitting
6: there and I'm looking yeah. around and before you know it.
5: I would be in the same boat. And, Skye, we got about 45 seconds. What's your story?
6: Well, I couldn't, I can't remember the Genesis or the stakes, but there was a bet for some reason in grade 12 that I could not eat a two pound chocolate bunny. (laughs) But at a social event, at a party, as like social things were happening around me, I just sat at my friend's kitchen table and tried to power through eating this chocolate bunny, which (laughs) is hollow. I didn't know that they were hollow. Yeah. And uh, not the best chocolate. And I, I don't know who won, if it was me or the bunny. <laughs> I can't remember. It's always
0: so waxy, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's chocolate. Horrible. What's up with that? Yeah, those was are... it
6: even around Easter? Like, what... No, it was not. <laughs> so that, like, yeah, so where's this bus come from? <laughs> I don't know. Deep in the cupboard. <laughs> Maybe that was why. They were just I trying know. to
5: get rid of it. Hate to tell you, Sky. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb are asking you, to text us about a time where you you either ate so much that you impressed yourself or maybe you ate a little too much. Reese says he's got two stories. One Canadian brew house had a steak night when it just opened in Winnipeg. They had a 40-ounce on specials, so we had that. There were 13 of us. I absolutely put the entire meal back with no issues. Steak, veggies, baked potatoes, and a 20-ouncer of Budweiser. But then Santa Lucia Pizza... And this is what the contest is for. $20 gift certificate for San Lucia pizza. They had the large pizza. Well, I put that back too once upon a time, but I will never do that again because I was out of commission for six to eight hours. I just couldn't move. So, Yeah, Santa Lucia pizza, large pizza. That lasts me three days. No problem. So keep them coming, and we'll share them throughout the morning, and we'll pick a winning text at 9.15. In the meantime, uh, when was the last time you went for your eye exam? I went... Uh, just oh i guess it's been two months now almost since i went mackling yeah. you're trying to figure it out no, i'm
2: wincing <laughs> because i it's been three years and i know i should go again because i wear the <clears throat> progressive lenses and from time to time i sense as though my prescription isn't exactly accurate and i might need a new set of glasses what about for you McNabb?
3: I'm i'm not great at getting myself there i think it's been a couple of years and and I do try to get the kids annually, but I, I'm i not consistent with that. And, and I don't think I'm alone with that. And so that's why this next, an email that came to our inbox caught my eye. And I do, you know, I like puns, but I don't, there's no pun intended there. It came from the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. And in a recent survey, the survey they did through Legge, they found one third of of Canadians, It was 34% have experienced worsened eyesight, dry eye or other as a result of increased screen time over this past year, in part due to the pandemic, Greg.
2: Yeah, and I know Jackie's been experiencing that big time dry eyes and the amount of time she spends in front of a computer screen is unbelievable. So that same survey found that the average number of hours on screen during this pandemic has jumped from six and a half hours to 7.8, almost 8 hours per day. Dr. Gade Gade is a glaucoma and anterior segment surgeon here in Winnipeg. Good morning, doctor. Uh,
9: Good morning, everyone. How are you?
2: We're doing well. Thanks for taking some time to speak with us about this. So these survey results, did they surprise you or are you seeing this in your patients in terms of the amount of time they're spending in in front of a, a screen?
9: Uh, no, it was not a surprise at all. Uh, the Given the pandemic and the need for use of uh, uh, increasing the screen time, especially with the remote uh, school learning, that was uh, to be anticipated. But uh, we do have, uh, you know, some tips for family and uh, teachers and all for our children that... Um, You know, uh, for uh, especially for for uh, children, I would I would say, you know, the the ones who are less than nine years old in particular, they have to be watched for uh, eye problems, uh, especially with the increasing myopia. You know, when uh, when 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 you increase the, the screen time, myopia becomes an issue, which is the short sightedness. And how can we detect that? Is uh, basically a short sighted person is not able to see uh, far. So they see mostly near. So you will find that child uh, either uh, putting their face into the book to to, to write or to to read. And then uh, they try to, they they will squint their eyes to see far. So that's a sign for the teacher if they see a a child that's uh, squinting. Their eyes, then they sh- they could have a my uh, could have myopia, so they they should be uh, you know uh, sending a note to their family to tell them
5: to test their eyes. What's stopping people yeah. from going to their eye doctor? Like, is it time, finances? What is it?
9: Yeah, so uh, part of it is uh, financing, part of it is uh, fear. You know, for especially during the pandemic, uh, everyone is uh, you know skeptical about going out and. Uh, but uh, i think it's crucially important especially now with the pandemic Uh, as you have mentioned earlier the survey of the canadian ophthalmological society did show some significant um, concerns about eyesight uh, problems but uh, we don't know yet we don't know the the extent of this problem until um, probably a few years from now Uh, there are more things that are going to come out from this so we have to watch. We have to, uh, you know, learn, uh, warn people about their eyes, and uh, hopefully, um, uh, people can take the message and uh, um, a- and act up on it.
3: Dr. Gadega, you know, it's it's one thing to go and get the eye appointment, but then if you discover there is an issue with yourself or your child, then you're trying to figure out how to pay for those glasses, depending on what's in your health care plan or your insurance plan, and you might not have one. So I'm curious, you know, is there a way to improve this for some of the kids who just can't access this? Is there a way for doctors, optometrists to get into the schools and at least get the testing done for those who might not be able to do that? Has that ever been on the table in Canada anywhere?
9: uh y- yes it has and there are several programs which uh, i don't recall their names right now because i just don't deal with glasses uh, in particular i'm a, most of a, a glaucoma person so i deal with uh, mostly uh, adult patients but uh, the, yes there are programs and um i i do recommend people go on the website of uh, cos uh, canadian ophthalmological society uh, to see the see the possibilities.ca uh, where where a person can test their eye right there on the screen and then uh, take it from there. There are so many links, so many tips, so many uh, information to take from there.
2: Yeah, no. we, go, go ahead. Greg. No, you go ahead, Greg. No, I just wanted to say, we, we went through this uh, just in the last few weeks with one of my boys, and just this whole idea of uh, having to replace glasses does get expensive for people. But um, under age of 19 in Manitoba, you can go to the optometrist for free, correct?
9: Yes, that is correct. That's for the eye exam, but uh, for the glasses, uh, uh, I think there are other programs which I'm I'm not fully aware of the name, but uh, I'm sure if someone cannot afford to have the glasses, they uh, they probably help with that.
5: Dr. day joining us live on 680 CJOB Glaucoma, and anterior segment surgeon here in Winnipeg. Thank you very much for the insight. Very much appreciated, sir.
9: You're welcome. Thank you very much.
5: Yeah, I thought for sure that uh, my eyesight was uh, waning because of all of the increased screen time, and I got myself a bigger television. And remember, Greg, I was wondering, is, is it too big? Did I get too big of a TV, and you're like, no, there's no such thing. No such thing. <laughs> well, it turns out it wasn't my eyesight wasn't waning. It was just uh, it was my astigmatism that was turning out to be a problem. But uh, uh, I do need new glasses that much. I know for sure because I haven't. <laughs> I still have the same glasses from like 20 years ago. They're not even safe to use to drive. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah.
2: Ah! If you
3: do go to that website, see the possibilities. I'm taking a test right now, but they do have links on there. See the possibilities. Because yes, you can get the eye exam, but if they tell you, you need glasses. Well, then you know is it 100 200 $300, 500 dollars you're spending? I don't know what what does it cost for a pair of glasses now depending? Yeah, on dep- what you need.
5: Depend it also depends on whether or not you go brand name right like a lot of times the cost uh, the cost can be heavy depending on the lenses, but you can save yourself a lot of money on the frames like if you don't care what what name brand you get, uh, you can get a decent pair of glasses.
2: Yeah we got two pairs from one of the big box stores for two pairs for I th- think it was 300
5: bucks. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, 204-780-6868. Tell us about a time where you ate too much. And uh, this one here, Greg, Brazilian Steakhouse. Yes. Did you write this? Because this sounds exactly like a story you told me this morning almost. Let's hear it.
2: (laughs) I was uh, on a work trip and went for dinner with two colleagues at a Brazilian-style steakhouse with the meat swords and the red-green card that lets them know, give me some, don't give me any more. Well, I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, my pals had flipped my card over to green, and I had (laughs) a mountain of meat waiting. I accepted their challenge and spent the entire night sweating profusely. (laughs) Oh, the meat sweats maybe getting an hour of sleep, and I think I could feel my blood thickening. <laughs> <laughs> the next day I had hangover symptoms. Never again.
5: Yeah, we've got it's- that carnival restaurant. You ever been there, uh, Loren?
3: Yeah, no, I have. I, and I have. I, I firmly, there's science. Like It's, it's called, what's it, a thermogenesis or something where you produce more heat after you eat meat to try to break it down? Oh. And hands down. I used to think it was a joke. Uh, my husband would say, I think I got the meat sweats. So I was like, come on. Oops oh, oh. says the meat sweats <laughs> um who <You> says <said> meat <laughs> there's meat <laughs> Meat, heat, sweats, but it's a thing.
5: I went to Carnival right after it opened about 10 years ago with the woman I was dating at the time. We had plans to go to the ballet after. The ballet had set aside tickets for the premiere. That was the end of our night. We went to Carnival. It was delicious, but we could barely move. So I, we stopped in at the ballet and said, thanks, but we, we can't come to the show tonight. We got to go home and pass out on the couch. Uh, but it, it is, it, it's fun. That's cool. I didn't know there was actual science behind that. I'll have to do some more research. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we're going to talk about some restaurants in Winnipeg that had the hammer dropped on them by the province. But before that, we've got a great text from Goalie Bob, real name Wendell, as it pertains to... A time where you maybe ate too much or a time where you couldn't can't believe how much you ate. And, uh, Loren, this text, so many of these texts are blowing my mind, but this one in particular just had my jaw on the
3: floor. I just like, okay, so this comes from Wendell. This morning's topic reminds me of when I was out with my buddies at the A&W Polo Park. In 1982, they still had that car hop service. So in the course of about two plus hours, I ate seven whistle dogs, <laughs> five teen burgers, and five fries so we were in my buddy's converted van with a fridge and couch in the back after the seventh trip out with more food the server asks how many are in there my buddies laughed and said well only three of us but we have a wendell in here (laughs) then she asked what's a wendell (laughs) wendell's the guy eating seven whistle dogs five team burgers and five fries my gosh
2: the only thing more impressive than that story is wendell's nickname goalie bob i suspect it is an homage to goalie bob ascenza if you could confirm that for us wendell i would love to know uh whistle dogs uh was there a better hot dog i don't understand why aw took that away I never ne- had
3: one, I don't
5: think. I never had one either. But yeah, my, my I think my parents used to lament oh. the, the, the days gone by when the whistle <laughs> dog was once a thing. Bacon, oh. split wiener,
2: on the grill, toasted bun, relish, onions, mustard.
3: Oh, so
4: good. So
2: keep- I can
3: just picture your dad smash Gordon lamenting <laughs> just on the couch. You know what the good old days were, Brett? The, the whistle dog. Days.
4: <laughs> that
5: sounds about right. I'm pretty sure that might be exactly how it went down. Uh, and he can, Dad, uh, if you're listening, you can confirm that. Shoot me a text, would you? Uh, in the meantime, so keep those texts coming for a chance to win a twenty dollars gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza, which we will give away just after nine fifteen. But right now, we want to talk about how the owners of two tuxedo restaurants are complaining about what they call fascism after their businesses were shut down for eat-in dining by provincial health officials and fined $40,000.
3: Global's Abigail Turner joins us now from the Tuxedo Village area where these restaurants are. Good morning, Abigail.
5: Abigail, are you there? Sky, did we lose Abigail? Maybe
6: we did.
5: Okay, it looks like we may have lost Abigail. So we'll, uh, we'll try that... In a moment. Uh, but indeed, when I heard about this, like I had been wondering, because the, this, these restaurants are the only businesses that are publicly uh, did not like defiantly uh, flouting the, the the updated restrictions. And uh, like, I've seen gyms, I've seen dance studios, uh, a number of other businesses. And I was wondering, like, you know, these restrictions have been in place for a few weeks now, and we've heard nothing about mm-hmm. enforcement. Uh, but now the the province has uh, chosen to, to make an example, I guess.
3: Yeah, and there were six tickets. So this these two restaurants are owned by the same owner. There's two of them in the Tuxedo Village area. They received six tickets. Tickets at $5,000 each and then two more the week before. And so they're well aware of what the rules are. They're clearly well aware of the fines and they persist. But So they're closed now. And then there were other restaurants fine. And I had some questions too about what was going on outside the city. Like a lot of these places are on social media. They have active Facebook pages saying come on down this is what we're not doing to comply and so it's making it easy for public health officials to <laughs> figure out who they are and what they're Should doing be. but i wasn't sure if they were actually going out and issuing these fines and are they issuing them in terms of like there's a long list of businesses doing this i don't know if they're all on this list of businesses that have been fined greg
2: yeah well and i think this is uh, uh, premier uh, former premier palester of course would uh, every once in a while update us on the enforcement issues, uh, the enforcement progress, and the and the different number of fines that had been levied? But I don't know if we've received an update on that in the last little while. So it'd be more than interesting. I think it's critical to know uh, what's going on with regard to enforcement because you both point out so accurately that there are businesses who are very openly doing this. It's one thing, I guess, if you're doing it on the quiet QT, but another altogether, if you are very publicly in social media and other ways proclaiming your disdain and your intention to not enforce these uh, public health orders. And I guess my question would always be to these places, like, are there other health regulations that you enforce and that you comply with like are you selective with employment standards that don't suit you uh do you enforce uh, and live up to things in the in the different uh, health in the health rules if you if you open a restaurant maybe you have a liquor license lots of rules lots of regulations you need to follow in order to keep those licenses i'd be curious to know their feelings about those things and if they are selective about which ones they follow and which ones they don't
5: global's abigail turner joins us now live on cjob on the phone from the tuxedo village area uh so abigail what's going on here
1: Yeah, I've just, you know, caught a little bit of your conversation there, guys. And you're right. They're facing pretty hefty fines, $40,000 for violating public health orders. Obviously, right now in Manitoba, we know you have to wear a mask and you can only let people in who can prove that they've been uh, vaccinated with both of those shots. Um, And as of this morning, they actually have a GoFundMe page that was uh, started to help pay off. Um, Obviously, $40,000 isn't pocket change. And as of this morning, they have about $2,500 from people donating to help pay off that fine.
3: So, Abigail, I'm curious, the restaurants are are pretty using some pretty heavy language. uh, What's the response? Has there been any response from the province in terms of how often they'll keep going back to hit these same restaurants if they don't comply? I mean, one of our listeners just texted now to say it sounds like these restaurants don't understand the definition of fascism. I won't get into the uh, semantics of that, Abigail, but they've they've been they're they're furious about this. But I can only imagine public health officials, you know, they have a list, they might keep coming back.
1: Yeah, you know, Dr. Brent Rusin was actually asked about this just yesterday, and he said it really just comes down to preventing the spread of COVID-19. It's not about um, being rude to one restaurant or mean. It's really just about protecting people at this point. It's not about um, making people upset or, you know, uh, wanting to give these people these uh, extreme fines, because I just said it's it's not a a low price to pay for violating these public health orders. But you're right. Yeah, both of these restaurants took to social media online uh, to kind of um, state how upset they are about these fines. Um, Monstrosity Burger said, quote, this country is pathetic and we will lose every last bit of freedom if people don't stand up right now. Um, so they're not backing down. Like I said, they've, they've made this um, GoFundMe page to um, help pay off these fines.
5: All right Global's Abigail Turner, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. And as uh, Dr. Russo was saying it, it, it's about protecting people and as we learned from Alberta, it's about protecting the ICU and keeping people out of the ICU, people with COVID-19 out of the ICU because the doctor there used the example. What happens? Imagine you get in a bad car crash and you got to go to the hospital and there's no ICU bed because it's full of largely unvaccinated, COVID-19 patients.
2: Yeah, it's uh, something that we have to keep in mind. But, you know, on these health orders, Brett, you don't even have to take it that far. You can dial it back. One of our listeners saying they're innocent till proven guilty. A fine is a fine. Uh, Keep in mind, a health inspector can shut you down shut your restaurant down on the spot if they find that you are not complying with health regs if there are situations in your restaurant that are a potential detriment to the health of your customers like this is not a this is not a legal thing loren in the sense that you need to go to court to shut down a restaurant a health official can do it on the spot
3: so and they will so now here we are right are you in a stalemate with the the province on this and i understand you have your principles and maybe maybe you have a big customer base that this is garnering garnering attention with but i don't know how big your customer base would be to withstand these kinds of fines and then moving on from that there are 80 plus percent of us vaccinated in and around that with the first dose at least and more coming with the second so there's lots of people out there who would be willing to go to restaurants that are complying with the health orders i i don't know i this this one doesn't make much sense to me
8: Good morning, happy first day of fall, 221 this afternoon, fall arise, fall my favorite season, I love fall.
5: Yeah? No. Why yes. do you love it? What What makes it your I favorite? No,
8: it's, it's just a little cool, you know, I'm a big guy, I don't like big heat and we saw a lot of big heat this summer and I don't know, it's just nice to sit around the fire, you know, a bit of a mm-hmm. crispy morning or evening, you know, a little cool, hot, hot coffee or chocolate, I don't know, I just like it. You know what's funny, you guys do these conversations every morning, get people to text in and about uh, different things, and today it's food. And, and usually I'm, I'm going, oh, boy, I hope Brett doesn't ask because I don't really have anything to contribute here today. I'm <laughs> kind of a loser. And then today I've got like five food stories. Can I tell one quick one? Absolutely. My, my favorite of all time. So back when it was BJ and Hal on Power 97, we did a promotion called uh, Three Men and a Baby. And it was me, Miles Gorel, and Chris Walby, and BJ was the baby, right? So it was a charity thing. I can't. It was a stupid picture. BJ was wrapped all wrapped up like a baby with a little bonnet on him. You know, anyhow. And when we were done the photo shoot and, and this meeting, me, Walby, Miles um, and and BJ, too, we all went to Uncle Willie's. And we, we we walked in, and you should have seen the look on the manager's face when the three big men and a little man walked in. And it was not long after that that Uncle Willie's went out of business. So we always joke that we put Uncle Willie's out of business, right? The big buffet restaurant chain. So anyhow, uh, there's my uh, there's my food story. Hey, um, so fall day, I mentioned that. Oh, this is sort of interesting. A lot of people, I think, are going to be harvesting their uh, their plants, right? And and I saw this. Uh, thought this was kind of uh, Crazy, actually, a British gardener has set a new Guinness World Record. He harvested 839 cherry tomatoes from a single stem that more than doubles the previous record. What?
2: That's what? unreal.
8: On one Later, stem. On again. one stem. 839. No cherry tomatoes, but still on oh. one stem, doubling the previous record.
3: I can I literally can't get three to grow whenever I do it. Yeah. Let me alone too. 837.
8: Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking the guys at Guinness are are getting desperate, right? <laughs> you know, when this is a world record. I
5: don't know. Oh, I'm just looking at the, yeah. Okay, it, it, yeah. It, it just looks like a giant, like the the biggest. Mm-hmm. It, it looks more like grapes, actually, the way they're all clumped Impressive. together. But yeah, that's nuts.
8: Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually cherry uh, tomatoes, but yes. No, no I you're know right. that, but <laughs> it looks like grapes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay,
5: oh, okay. Uh, never mind. I'm just going to turn <laughs> off <out> the microphone.
8: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, listen, we keep hearing buy your Christmas gifts now, right, because of supply chain issues. We'll now get this. I'm an, I'm into a, a real tree just up the road for me. Here is is uh, Ray Dubois, Ron Paul's, and I, I get a tree every year. I like the real trees, but I've had artificial trees. Uh, I don't know what the price of real trees is going to be like. We've seen a bit of an increase in those over the years, but with the pandemic, who knows? But artificial trees will skyrocket because of high shipping costs and uh, shipping container shortage and other supply uh, chain issues. They're estimating that artificial trees will cost about sixty-six, two-thirds more this year compared to other years because of the pandemic and all the related issues to that. So,
2: mm, hmm. good thing I don't need one of those every year.
8: You don't, eh? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Now I'm the idiot. I'm going to turn my my microphone off now. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Sorry, Al. Uh, no, it's okay. I'm just a little slow today. Aren't you? Hey, listen. You know that friend you have where they're really excited to be your friend, and you're sort of meh. You're okay with being their friend? Yeah. I'm that guy. I'm that guy this morning because I can't wait until next week when I get to talk to you guys every morning. Huh? Ooh, that's right.
3: Man, it's exciting. Spike. Hey, Spike. Yes. Hey, hey, buddy, Spike. Hey,
8: hey, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dog that bounces around the other dog and then the, like swipes him away. And That's me.
4: <laughs> that is me. Oh, hey, here... Uh,
8: I was just talking to Sky off air, producer Sky, about her new hair, do her new haircut, and I see that the wolf cut, it's called the wolf cut. It's a trendy new hairstyle that actually uh, is sort of uh, making people look like they're back in the 80s. Have you guys heard about this?
2: No. I'm taking a look right now.
5: Just looking, yeah, I'm looking like I love how shag- you guys go shag-adelic. to Google right away.
8: <laughs> the wolf haircut or the wolf oh. cut. Celebrity hairstylist ty- Cheryl Bergami. Uh, says many celebrities are requesting the cut. The wolf cra- uh, cut, as I said, takes us back to the 80s, got an 80s feel. We had the shag, right, the mullet, and now the wolf cut. Here's how she explains it. She says it's a split between a shag and a mullet fused together together giving a new punk fashion trend for 2021 she says anybody can pull off the look it's a little difficult if you grow it out like growing it out some styles can be difficult but she says that uh it's going to be around for a while
2: the wolf cut i don't mind it
3: i don't like it i don't like like anything that's happening right now in terms of fashion (laughs) i I, I, I was walking down st catherine's montreal like saturday or sunday and i honestly wanted to stop 47 different people and say sorry why are you wearing that? Because the <laughs> jeans are big again and they come up really high and it's all these crop tops and off the shoulder. It's like I'm back in grade 9 and I didn't didn't work for me then. And it's not going to work for me now. And I do not want it. The only thing I'm willing to accept is the return of the scrunchie. Never. That is, I like it. It's better for your hair. It doesn't leave all those kinks in it. It's ugly. Never question
2: the fashion that's going on in Montreal, Loren. Come on I know. Now. This is you why I was concerned.
3: Because they're probably ahead of us. So I was like, yep. it's like, it's right. like, it's coming this way. Fine. I'll wear a crop top if that's what people... But nobody is going to mm-hmm. want to see that. I don't want the yes. mom jeans. I don't want the big jeans. I don't want the barrel jeans. I don't like the colors. All of it was concerning. Mm -hmm. It It almost derailed me from my election studying. I wanted to start studying fashion.
5: So the bad weather comes in from the West and the bad fashion comes in from the (laughs) East. (laughs) the East,
3: yes. Fashion comes from the East. I'm concerned, guys. It's not going to be good for us.
5: Guys, have a great Wednesday. Thank you. Hal Anderson, afternoons. He's got a tickets and treats pass for two from Landmark Cinemas to give away. And a reminder, as Hal mentioned, he's going to be talking to us every day because next week, starting on Monday, Connecting Winnipeg with Hal Anderson, 10 until 12, every day here on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Reminder, this is your last chance to tell us about a time you ate a little too much or maybe you ate so much that you impressed yourself for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia pizza. Like Henry, who says, I have a sister who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. When I go to visit, we always go to Sonny's and all you can eat chicken and ribs place. After getting more than our money's worth, I pretty much lose the rest of the day and part of the next day until the bowling ball and my gut goes away. I always say never again but I always wind up going on my next visit because it's just so tasty. That one I can really understand because if it's your one shot, like you're, it's not a place you can go to all the time, right? You're visiting. You Golden do Corral. it. Corral. Yeah.
3: Like it's like when you get out to places and my quest for poutine was so disappointing because if you had offered me all you can eat poutine Monday night, I would have done it and, and regretted it, but done it again. <laughs> if you go to a place that's something that's central to that place, And even if it uh, ruins your whole day with how full you are, you must do it again on the next visit.
5: (laughs) So we'll give away that San Lucia pizza gift card in our next segment. But for now... That is the sound of a 25-year-old Indigenous man being welcomed back to Manitoba at the airport after biking across Canada to fundraise and raise awareness about the suicide crisis in Tatasquayak Cree Nation this summer.
2: Riley Nepinak is from Sagging First Nation. He left Vancouver in mid-August. We spoke to him along the way. He arrived in Halifax Monday, where he was greeted by members of the northern Manitoba community that's lost 13 people, mostly youth, to suicide in the last year. Riley, good morning and how wonderful is it to be back home?
10: Hey, good morning. Uh I, it's so wonderful, honestly. Um definitely a- appreciating uh all the little things being back home. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, keep- it's quite the journey, I mean, when you were making your way across, did you think was there at any point you thought, I don't know if I can do this?
10: Definitely. Um I'm not a pro cycler, like I haven't really been into like, uh, cycling beforehand. Uh, the longest ride I did before this was like to Portage la the Prairie and back. And, and so, yeah, there was times where I definitely questioned myself and, and I just was wondering like if I'm even capable of, of finishing the ride. But along the way, you know, I received a lot of uh, messages of support from friends and family and, and members of task Week and, received a lot of kindness from strangers and I, that definitely like helped give me you know more momentum to just keep going at it every
5: day. How did it feel when you crossed the finish line in Halifax? Uh
10: it still felt like I wasn't done. I don't know why. Um maybe because like the ride's done but the work with the task quick isn't. Uh you know, I still have some promises to fulfill. I still have to go to their community and and have the youth town hall and talk to them and get the youth sharing their ideas. And and so um, it was very bittersweet, definitely bittersweet, but it was very uh, humbling that they would show up to greet me at the finish line.
2: Riley, it sounds like you learned a lot about yourself on this ride. What's the message that you'll send and you'll deliver when you meet with those youngsters uh, up north?
10: Um, I think, I think the message, um, that I would send honestly is just how, um, the power of being vulnerable and, you know, not hiding your feelings and just kind of accepting them. And, and it's not a weakness, uh, just because, you know, I faced so many mixed emotions on this journey that everything to me felt heightened and, and I definitely felt vulnerable, um, Pretty consistently, and uh, you know, I think it's pretty normal for for people to just fight that feeling um, because they view it as weakness. And I think I just I really want to try to help them, you know, deal with that that inner conflict and help them, uh, you know, just accept these feelings and share more and and not bottle things inside.
3: Vulnerable, how Riley? What was going through your mind? And shares if you if you can some of the thoughts you had along the way. Uh, vulnerable.
10: Just, you know because i'm 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 learning the stories um of the families i'm learning the hardships um vulnerable because um you know i'm just i'm getting so many lovely messages on a daily basis I'm, or i'm frustrated every day um vulnerable because i'm fighting these feelings i don't know how to to really accept them when i'm like Tears and frustration, I feel like, you know, I, I don't want to have these tears. I don't know if it's just a way, you know, like men are raised, but, you know, it's hard to accept those feelings. And uh, I definitely learned just to, to really go with them and and not to fight them. And it really made a difference to me in the end, um, just accepting, you know, all these different emotions and and just learning to go with it. So I, I don't know. That was something that I really uh, reflected on and uh, I think really uh, helped me become a better version of myself
5: from this journey. We're speaking with Riley Nepinak, who rode a bike from Vancouver to Halifax to raise awareness and raise funds uh, regarding the suicide crisis in Tatasquiak Cree Nation this summer. Riley, you mentioned the, the, the random acts of kindness that you encountered along the way. I mean, you traveled a long way, and I gather you probably met a lot of people were, did you, were you, did you learn anything from that? You didn't expect to learn from various Canadians as you crisscross the country?
10: Uh, was what I really witnessed was just the extent of a stranger's kindness, especially when, when they believe in something like this, because they do, they, they, they don't want no more lives lost. And, and just like, for example, This man had literally met me um, between Hurst and Longlack in a deep dead zone stretch in Ontario where, you know, I was trying to attempt a 200-kilometer day, and uh, my bike actually was was actually acting up on me. My back tire, um, it was kind of bending, and uh, it wasn't looking like I was going to make it, um, you know, and I was going to have to sleep in the bush overnight, which is not something I haven't done before, but I was definitely in a pickle. And this man showed up out of nowhere from Cape Croker, uh, you know, an eight-hour drive away, and and he told me, like, Riley, uh, my name is Frank, and I'm I'm here because I want to help you on your journey. And uh, he definitely he helped me get my bike fixed. And uh, it was a support vehicle for me for six days. And it it just made so much difference that this man took six days out of his life, money out of his own pocket, time, and and just to come because he believed so much in this cause.
5: Riley, before we let you go, you're looking to hold a town hall in Tatasquia Cree Nation to decide how to spend the money. When will you be doing that?
10: I think we're deciding to do that um, early
5: October. Okay. Well, Riley, thank you very much. Congratulations on raising the money that you raised over $27,000. What a tremendous cause. And Mm -hmm. you're a tremendous young man. And uh, we are privileged and our lives are enriched uh, for having met you. We appreciate the time.
10: Thank you. Appreciate those kind words. Have a great day, you guys.
5: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we've got a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away. And we are asking you, we've been asking you today to tell us a story of a time you ate too much. Or a time where, like, you couldn't believe how much you ate. And uh, Matt the drone guy, Greg, telling a great story as it pertains to high school football.
2: Oh, yeah, this brings back some memories. Not the wings, but uh, good old days of high school football. The team from Kelvin High School in the late 90s would head to Garbanzo's every Wednesday for all-you-can-eat wings. After a while, many other teams like Grant Park, Sisler, and Oak Park would have groups eating there as well. It got to a point where we cleared them out of wings one (laughs) night. Well, when one guy eats 121 wings, you can imagine the numbers multiple teams would go through. The experience deteriorated after that as uh, they started to throttle down the rate that we would get our wings brought out. A brawl almost ended up breaking out between teams one day and we all got Banned. Okay. Good, <laughs> times. Yes, <man>. good times. Yes, Matt, good times.
3: You must regret these all-you-can-eat things at certain places because there would, that would happen, I bet you, every single night. There's someone who comes in and says, I'm going to eat 400 and then eat down 400 shrimp or 400 wings. Can't be cost effective.
5: Gord says, in 1977, I was a manager of the Country Kitchen where there was an unofficial challenge to eat the entire breakfast menu. The entire breakfast menu, which had nine meals. So I decided to take it on. We set up an evening with one of our best cooks, lined up to make the breakfast in perfect proportions. I even bet $50, which was a lot of money at the time, on my success. The big night came, the entire restaurant was watching and cheering. I got through the first four easily, and then things got bogged down. By the time number seven came along, I realized <laughs> I was in trouble, and let's just say my time was up. The biblical prohibition against gluttony came to mind. And all I can say is never again to eating competitions. Great stories, like so many, so many good stories. I've been in stitches all morning reading these. But, Loren, Jamie wins the day.
3: These eating contests, I don't know. Jamie was in a charity hot wing eating contest years ago with some friends. So round one was basically Frank's red hot sauce. And each round after that got progressively hotter and hotter. My friends all tapped out along the way, along with all the other contestants, except for me and this one other guy, who, like me, would not be denied the title. We went at it wing for wing until finally the restaurant declared they couldn't make anything hotter, (laughs) so they're going to declare joint winners. That was the joy of victory, although shared but my God, that victory came with the absolute worst pain for the next 24 hours, laying in an ice-cold tub all night because my body was on fire. It was absolutely torture, Jamie writes. Needless to say, the 12-pack of beer I won wasn't worth it, and never again. At least it was for charity, <laughs>
5: Jamie, bravo and bravo to all of you for so many I can't. I haven't even been able to get through all of them I think I, I've at 7.45am on the text line, I've been trying to keep up but I just can't.
2: Dozens <laughs> and dozens Thank you so much for sharing this stuff with us every single day, it, it means the world
3: I just want to throw in quickly I asked the cost effectiveness, Dave texted to say they used to go to the Pizza Hut buffet back in the day yeah. and they actually got paid to leave one time <laughs> it, <laughs> That is smart our- manager <laughs>
5: Mackling McGarry and McNabb but when I was walking over to the pub the other day saw a poster on the wall uh, with Winnipeg's own Big Daddy Taz on it so I stopped to have a look it was for an event called the Indigenous Comedy Festival and I look at the dates and I think
3: hey that's next weekend Loren we got to bring them on I <laughs> sorry I have two bikes on the ground one is not plugged into the box and I just reached for the one not plugged into the box. I got I to gotta put this away. This is no good for ed- radio to not have it connected. Yes. And I thought it was such a great idea about what they're doing and bringing so many great talented acts together. And so, yeah, Big Daddy Taz is here. Good morning, Taz.
11: Good morning to you. I'm going to make sure I talk into the right microphone and uh, have some fun. I love this Mackley, Magaria McNab. McNabb. That's a lot of mmm in the morning, kids. I'm Don't mad. start
3: singing ah. mmm bop. Just keep mmm bop out of this equation.
11: M-bop. That's it. That's
3: it.
4: Mmm.
3: <laughs> so, Taz, this is a live show at the West End Cultural Center. It starts this Friday and then, of course, there's one on Saturday. I mean... Like, like after a year and a half, we talked to you in the midst of the pandemic about how comedy is so much about seeing that reaction with people. And you did so many great things virtually, but man, it's got to be exciting to get back to doing live shows again.
11: Oh, you know, it, it, it is, it has been really, really fun. I, the first one I did was actually at a, for a small group of people at the Selkirk Legion. And I walked, you know, from the side of the, uh, you know, the side of the stage to the middle of the stage. Well, the stage was the floor, whatever. It doesn't matter to me, but, uh, and uh, I just stopped for a second, I went to talk and my voice caught and I said, I'm sorry, I know it's only about 12 feet from there to there, here, but it's taken 18 months to get here, right? And that got the big laugh and it was, it was great and we had a good chat. And I, lo- I thought I'd done about 40 minutes, I looked down on my watch and it was 10, 9, uh, five to nine or so, I'd done almost two hours. And it was just so much fun to feel that laughter, just, uh, oh, it's just awesome.
2: When we were talking about two microphones, Tazzy, I was thinking, well, if anybody could work two at once, it would be you. And you
11: well, know, if, if if one could do it in French, so I could have a show in an official language, second official language, like, that'd be awesome. And so I, I could have one for Korean on Japanese.
2: It'd be awesome. I love it. I think it would be fantastic myself. Now you're used to uh, performing your act in front of people that maybe sometimes are unsure. Is it okay for me to laugh? about this when you're talking about your mental your mental wellness and lack thereof at times what about with regard to non-indigenous people in the audience that might want to come out tonight how do you sort out that comfort that uncomfort well there's no
0: there's no
11: comfort or uncomfort it's funny right here's so what this is is the best medicine indigenous comedy festival uh sage daniels asked me hey would you want to be part of this i said well I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glow-in-the-dark white Irish, are you sure? And, and uh, Sage said, no, it's all about the inclusion of, of, of that as well, right? Inclusion and, and talking about mental health and things like that. And, and I thought, yeah, I'll do it. It'd be great. See, tonight is, uh, tonight, or sorry, uh, Friday's show uh, is myself, Angie Martin, uh, Mark Elliott, uh, uh, Big Barry Jerry Barrett, and Adam Schwartz. And uh, then Sunday is uh, uh, Paul Roboscis, Sage, uh, Isaac uh, Kixon, Florence Spence. I'm trying to remember in my head. Uh, Chad Anderson, Clayton Stewart, and it's hosted by Skinny Coco. So that's the that's the more of the uh, indigenous comics on that one. I was hoping we'd all be working together because I I'm, I love all these comics. They're hilarious, right? And uh, so. When it comes, my son said it very. I don't. I know I only have a few minutes. I thought that was funny. I said, "Hey, how long do I have?" And Lorenz says uh, she sends me a thing saying, "Oh, you got a six to seven minutes." And then uh, I'm assuming Greg said uh, you got eight to nine minutes. So I'm waiting for somebody to come in for uh, ten or eleven so we can auction this off. But I uh, was talking, but uh, uh, my son said it the best. He, he was very young at the time, and he said, "Dad, isn't it cool that it doesn't matter that you don't speak French and and uh, but I speak French." And that our neighbors across the way—they don't speak French or English very well—but when we laugh, we all know what's happening. Mm. And that's what it is. We're going to come in. We're going to laugh. We're going to have some fun, and it's going to be about inclusion. And we're going to—we're going to—I'm sure there's going to be uh, some some points where people are like, I don't know if I should laugh at that. And you should, if it's funny. If it's funny and not degrading, uh, just have some fun. Be yourself. Come fall apart in my backyard. It's the best medicine. Well, it's not really the best medicine, right? I mean, laughter is really good medicine, but if if somebody hit me with like a shovel or I got hit by a car and I'm laying there and I go, oh, I need help. And somebody comes up, hey, buddy, what's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? I'm like, well, I'm I'm hurt. No, what's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? I don't know. A hippo weighs two tons and a zippo's a little lighter. See, That's not going to help at all,
4: right? That's not
5: going
4: to help. <laughs> I, I like know. it. It's just gonna be like, healthy. and then I'm going to
11: be like, you know, and that's why you don't want to have a, like a, a heart attack or something in a room full of comedians. Like, I'll oh, call me an ambulance. They'll be like, you're an ambulance. Like, it's just, it's, <laughs> not, the, it's not the best medicine, right? It's it's really, really good medicine. Like, I, if I, I, I'm laying there and I'm like, oh, I need, I really need something. Knock, knock. No, I need some, knock, knock. No, I really need. You're supposed to say, who's there? Okay, who's there? Is it an ambulance? No, you're a, <laughs> you're a poo. No, no, you're a poo, buddy. See, that's not going to help any kind of medicine, but it'll help our hearts a little bit. Well, and I love I love hearing you guys laugh, and I've talked too long. Your turn.
5: Well, and I no, you have not spoken too long at all. But I am glad that you mentioned <laughs> that it's uh, you know funny is funny because comedy. I feel like in, in many ways it's sort of like the last line of defense as, as to where you can still say some potentially salty things and get away with it. But in recent years, so many comedians have come under fire for, oh, how dare you make a joke about that? And, and like years ago, that's, where you, that's one of the reasons why you would watch stand-up comedy is because comedians can get away with saying the things that a lot of us maybe want to say, but we're too chicken to say it all out.
11: Well, it, and it's all
5: about intent, right?
11: Am I intending to hurt your feelings? Am I saying it And also, if it's something from my... Like, I'll never say stuff that uh, will hurt somebody's feelings on purpose, but if it's from my own life or if somebody's talking about their life and things, and, and it's a very contentious uh, situation, right? And uh, before, I always ask if I... At the end of my show, I said, I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, please come tell me why, and then we can examine that, right? Ali, I'm either... I'm either have been accidentally insensitive... Or I'm a jerk, right? And either way, I need to know. And uh, I've I've always thought that, um, I've always thought that the jester's job is the hardest job. It has always been about telling the kings and queens what in the of the world what is going wrong in their kingdom. And then it also had when the kings and queens had a message, the jester had to take it and, and say it to the people in a way where he wasn't either going to lose his head or get stoned, right? And so, and now uh, the second part is legal. But anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> it, it's all about bringing joy. If you find your act is not bringing joy on a regular basis, consistently, then you need to you need to look at why or, or what you're talking about. That's just me. That's just my personal opinion. My views do not reflect those. of the best medicine, indigenous comedy festival, or CGOB, and its management in any way. But this is just how I feel. I feel if it's funny to everybody, um, the majority of everybody, then it's going to be uh, funny. And if, I, if I've hurt you, it's never on purpose. Ever, ever, ever.
3: So, Taz, has that happened, that somebody in the audience might come up and give you that kind of feedback?
11: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, had, I, I have two instances. I'll see if I can get through them Boom. Uh, i got a letter one time hand of hand of the hand of the creator this is a true story a handwritten letter probably two or three pages back uh, many many years ago uh from a lady in in, uh, in in the winkler area who had was very upset that i used the word darn and darn is akin to damn and damn is taking the lord's name and uh, and I, I went and i went back in my head did i say darn we were talking about uh darning socks and so she heard what she wanted to hear i was talking about my my grandmother would say about darning socks and i thought she was swearing at the socks right and uh, uh, years years later, I'm in Gretna, and there's a lady in the front row who looked mad at me the entire show. She was clenching her purse. She just stared at me the entire show. And I thought, oh, I've offended this lady. I'm so sorry. I don't like I Part of my brain is always going through, what, am, what might have I said? What might have I said? What might have I said? And at the end, I get a standing ovation. She stands up, walks to the stage, comes up the stairs in the front, walks over to me, and stares at me. And I turn to her, and I'm like, oh, no, what's going to happen, right? And I turned around and I said, uh, Hi, how are you? And she goes, Yeah, you're the funniest person I've ever seen in my life. I never laughed so hard ever. And I'm like, You should have told your face because I thought you were mad at me the entire time.
2: Something wasn't adding up there. So you yeah. got to the bottom of it. And that can be very distracting, of course. So thanks for sharing those with us, Taz. Hey, How did you get involved in this? Other well, than being funny. Daniel's-
11: other, you mean comedy or just the, the, the,
2: the festival itself? Yeah, the festival coming up.
11: Well, Sage Daniels, uh, who has organized this whole thing, uh, reached out to me very early and said, would you be, would you be a part of this as, as part of the inclusion and the compassion and, and talking openly about mental health? And I said, of course I would, 100%. And it's at the West End Cultural Center. Tickets are $20 live. And uh, if you uh, want, you can just you can go online. And it's only $10. And Winnipegers might do that because it's $10 for everybody in the house. So <laughs> uh, 715, uh, 7.15 doors, uh, 8 o'clock showtime. Uh, Friday, the 24th, is. Uh, I'm headlining with a whole bunch of other people. And that's uh, uh, like Angie Martin, Mark Elliott, Jerry Big Bear, Adam Schwartz. The 25th, uh, Paul Roboskis is, is he just fresh off of a, a special that he shot in Just for Laughs. And it's going to be Sage, Isaac Kixon, uh, Fl- uh Florence Vance. Chad Anderson, Clayton Stewart, and hosted by Skinny Coco, please come out uh, to support this. And just some laughs. Here's what we're, we've had a really crappy year. Let us take you away from your life for a couple hours. That's our job.
5: Big Daddy Taz, thank you so much for joining us today. We've always loved talking to you. It's been great fun.
11: Well, thank you. You guys make me feel 10 feet tall, which is, uh, according to my doctor, uh, what I'm supposed to be for this weight. So thank you very yeah. much.
3: <laughs> hey, and Tess, <Taz, laughs> you got nine minutes there, so Greg was right.
11: Oh, ho. That's it. You might want to write that on the calendar that Lauren was not correct at this moment. Just write that on the calendar and point to it every couple of weeks. Going, Lauren, look, look at that right there. It happens quite often.
5: Big Daddy Taz joining us live on CJOB, the website where you can buy tickets, WECC.ca, the West End Cultural Center. Once again, Taz is headlining on Friday, but there's also a show on Saturday, the Indigenous Comedy Festival. and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at gmacwpg, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.
6: For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us,